Welcome back to Consuming the Pod. <laughs> consuming the Craft, the craft Podcast. <laughs> wow, we shouldn't have pregame so much, I think. Uh, with me today is Karen, or Kay, as you uh, affectionately are referred to, because you're definitely not a Karen. Thank you're you. an absolute angel. Thank you. Uh, Kay Gonzalez with me today. And uh, we're fighting. Because you recently got back from Mexico for a month, mm-hmm. and you got to try all sorts of the things that are in my heart. Latin American beers, aka just Mexican beers. So you had some opinions that I'd... you were alluding to before we were mm-hmm. uh, drinking before we started recording. Mm-hmm. We were sampling things to figure out what we should be sampling on the podcast, but we, I wouldn't say we oversampled things. No, no. I mean, we just wanted to make sure we were in the right mood for the podcast, which I call Podcraft for some reason. <laughs> what did you experience? What did you drink? What was your favorite thing? Tell me all the stuff. So I had a beer from this fantastically named brewery down in Puebla called Cinco de Mayo Brewing that, Co. Really? Yes. I love it on so many levels. It's, uh, it's, the historical uh, references and everything. Oh, oh my God, it's so good. They had this fantastic, fantastic beer. Um, oh, what was it? I think it was the Vienna Lager. It was beautiful. The carbonation was excellent. The color, oh my God, the color was to die for. Um, but I noted with this and all the other um, beers that I had over there, all their beers are sweet. Well, not, are, not attenuated. They're not fully attenuated. Like, traditional styles that you'll find up here okay in north america and i thought that was interesting because when you know when we were still a part of the program janoli and i had this theory and like you know latin america we like we like our sweets we like sweeter beverages um and i'm sure there was another brewery around here that had the same idea they weren't like they weren't like latin american i think they were a black owned Mm -hmm. brewery around here yeah um and they had the same idea so obviously people of color tend to, you know, gravitate towards sweeter beverages. Um, and that's what I found down in Mexico. Most of the beverages tend to be a little bit on the sweeter side. Interesting. I mean, they were good. They were to the style. They were a little tad, they were a tad too sweet for me. Yeah. Overall, beers were really good. Really damn good. <laughs> uh, and, and what, uh, you mentioned that Vienna lager. Um and so is craft brewing in this little brewery that you went to, how many, I mean, was it something that's proliferating down in that region? Was it, uh, was it something that you could find a lot of, or was it few and far between? Now, we have over 9,000 in the United, craft breweries in the United States now, which is a lot. So while I was down there, I wasn't able to physically go to some of these breweries. Sure. Um, where my family's from, it's like northern central Mexico. Okay. And... In that area alone, I mean, it's the mountains up there. You can hardly find any craft breweries. A lot of people were looking, where are the craft brews? Where are the craft brews? Probably you're not in the right area yeah. for that. Not at all. I don't know if it has to deal with water or if it was just water issues on my side of, you know, the mountain or whatever. Water was sulfury. It was sulfurous Ooh. as fuck. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And, well, and that's definitely going to affect the flavor of the products coming out unless you have right pretty amazing filtration Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so 
with the water situation going on over there, and I really wanted to take some water samples, but unfortunately, you know, you can't really take more than three fluid ounces with you. Yeah, yeah. That was such a pain. I'm like, no, never mind. I'll do it later one sure, day. Sure, sure. I want to do, you know, water profile on the water over there, see what's going on. But no, most at most you could find like craft brews in uh, Walmart or in other liquor stores or whatever. They don't have a lot. It's not a prominent thing over there. Not yet. Would you say that it's a burgeoning market? Yes. And you, of course, going through the program here and having a passion, having a love, you brew now mm-hmm. commercially mm-hmm. and you have now for, well, since before you graduated. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an underserved community. And I think they, they could get behind a lot of the, the flavor profiles we're talking about. And, and I just, I wished that there was, it, actually, when you were here, I encouraged you and Janoli to try to do a podcast in Spanish mm-hmm. to help with the education of what uh, the craft community is, mm-hmm. the, 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 the artisanal things that, you know, there's plenty of artisanal spirits from that region. Oh, absolutely. From. Uh, pulque, tepache. Um Mezcal, tequila, obviously. My my side of the family is in mezcal country, not tequila yeah, country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, while I was down there, we were surrounded by sugarcane fields all over. So, so Mexico is one of the leading producers of rum in the world. Yes. And you, if, oh man, I wish I could show you the photos. I think I still have them on my phone. Huh. Um, just sugarcane fields everywhere as far as the eye can see as far as you can see oh my god it was so amazing um and every single day i would get an alert on my phone uh from like this dumb weather app that i have yeah. that said uh we noticed that there's wildfires around the area i'm like that's how they harvest the sugar cane <laughs> yeah, they, they get all the stuff out that's Jeez. All, yeah. <laughs> every single morning it was like there's a fire right where you're at please be careful i'm like bitch <laughs> We know. Yeah, that's kind of uh, how they do that. That's how they do that. And, and so mentioning, too, that uh, you're a Latina brewer mm-hmm. in a, in a and, and female mm-hmm. and queer. Yes. Which you associate. I mean, you're a unicorn in this industry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to deny no, it. No, but that's, I mean, we, we kind of jokingly say that, but like you don't see... I mean, you've been to beer festivals. Mm-hmm. You guys recently uh, won an award uh, for a beer you brewed. And it, you, when you look around these festivals, you don't see a lot of folks that look like you. No, not, at least not this side of the country. I know that there's a couple of places, you know, obviously in the West. You have well, San Diego and places where there's a higher Latino, Latino population. Sure. Right. But I mean, just anybody outside of the, the bearded white dude, mm-hmm. which... I mean, all signs pointing to the guy across from you is a bearded white dude. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing to see your passion and how you're sharing that with other folks from these other communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, I also showed you our assistant brewer. I think, no, there, there's no I thinking. There's knowing. We are the most diverse community in a brewery. In Hendersonville, for sure. Oh, yeah. For by, fucking sure. Yeah, I would say by far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where else are you going to find Hispanic brewers? We unfortunately lost another assistant brewer to Acousta, but he was also half Mexican as well. Okay. So at one point, we had three Mexican brewers in one single brewery. And that would probably not... I mean, I'd be curious to find that anywhere on this coast. Not just in Hendersonville. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to point at fingers or any names or anything, but I, I'm glad that you guys have opened uh, the doors to everyone to come through. Really? I mean, certainly you went and got your education. Yeah. I think that that's important, but I'm sitting in a chair and I teach for a living. That's one of the reasons I think it's important. I think there's a potential uh, for apprenticeships and other things like that in this uh, industry, in this community. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about doing that here. I mean, you guys go on your internship mm-hmm. and you did your internship at now the place that you're working at. So it's mm-hmm. interesting uh, to see that uh, that kind of change in the industry as well. Because I know folks are looking for people right now. Yeah. As everything is ramping up. And, and you see that your sales are guys going through the roof. Mm-hmm. And you've brewed beer now commercially for, you said, three and a half years? Well, just three years. Well, it might be longer, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> you've been beaten down by the industry so much, you're like, ah, three is enough. Ah, it's fine. Which reminds me that uh, you're here, and we, we did sample some things beforehand, but now it's time for booze clues. Oh. And so I'm, you're a beer aficionado, so I wanted to give you something outside of the beer box. Mm-hmm. And so I poured you a small glass of a... A brown liquid. Uh, go ahead and smell it, taste it, and tell the folks out there in listening world in their ear pods, buds, things crammed in their ears, uh, what you smell and taste. So it's this beautiful amber liquid. It really remember. does smell good. It smells doesn't so it? good. So I get a little vanilla, a little coconut. A little mm. cinnamon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm. It's super smooth. Yeah, this is something that was uh, actually dropped off earlier today. Uh, Two Trees Distilling Company down in Fletcher is uh, experimenting with all sorts of crazy stuff. And this is a uh, 20% rye bourbon Mm. that they uh, speed aged. Mm -hmm. And then they aged it with... uh, a Melbeck finish. Ooh. So like a, a, a red wine finish that I just, it pairs so well. It it tastes so much older than I know it is, but I can't tell everybody how old it is. Um, it is delicious. It's delightful. And, and the rye is, is it just complements the uh, the vanilla and the coconut and the cinnamon in the nose. There is a, a, a rye bite to it, but it's it's not overpowering. There's a, I just, I, yeah, I'll probably have, I'll probably do research on this uh, more today uh, for the students. For the students. And, uh, you know, research always continues. It's for the kids. You know, you drink for a living now. I do. (laughs) Probably not as much as you. I do. I have more kids. Mm. You, uh, you educate the public through the commercial facing and where I educate the public through uh, curriculum program here at AB Tech, so it's a little different. Uh, I, I mean, I tell people I only drink at work. Mm-hmm. I just work a lot. You do. I work from home. <laughs> <laughs> I work at work. <laughs> Everything in moderation, kids. So you came back now from Mexico. What'd you miss as far as American beers? American beers, definitely. Like a light multi beverage that was fully attenuated. That's what I was looking for. So like like Marzen cr- or crisp lager, something like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Although while I was up there or not up there, down it, it, there. It's south of here. It's south I mean, of yeah. here. <laughs> this bourbon is good. <laughs> 
well i'm sorry i had to keep referring america as up north i'm like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's fine <laughs> whatever yeah so while i was down there uh there was this amazing agave lager mm. oh so good it was super crisp did you get any notes on how they made it i did not i did not i wonder if they it was just like a chapnized like barley base with agave nectar probably which would be very, very interesting to do. I would love to do that over there, but I don't think we have the means to do it in my brewery, which is such a shame because I keep trying to like hand fist a lot of Mexican inspiration <laughs> there. Well, I, I just I know agave nectar in particular is pretty expensive right now. Mm-hmm. And the import and like just distribution and shipping just kind of went crazy and all the raw materials are going up. So that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, just making sure that you can make it at a... Uh, uh, you know, where there's going to be a margin to keep the lights on at your place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was one of my concerns coming back. Um, I mean, because for those who don't know, uh, I was aware that Ukraine was like the breadbasket of Europe. And of course they're in charge of like all the barley, the wheat, all the malts that are necessary you know, for our industry, as if like the steel industry wasn't, you know, tightening its fists around our necks. <laughs> uh, aluminum, big time. <sighs> yeah, for aluminum sure. Aluminum has been, you know, I had heard uh, through the grapevine that Coca-Cola is only getting 75% of their cans. Ooh. Coca-Cola. Oh my God. That is, they're at a, they're a different player in the industry than, you know, all the small breweries we love around here. Mm-hmm trying to fight for 12 on can Jeez. and they just changed the minimum printed order for cans as well mm. to five tractor trailer loads it used to be able to print one tractor trailer load then you'd have to have a space for all those cans cans only last so long mm-hmm. and when i say they only last so long for the folks out there is there's a liner on the inside of the can and it's only the in- integrity of that liner is really needs to be used within about six months so you really want to get cans, fill them, and get them out the door, you know, in in a reasonable amount of time. Good storage and, uh, you know, things to prolong the life of a can can happen. But right. ideally, um, you would have that, uh, that spray liner that's in the inside that avoids the acidic nature of the product leaching potentially flavor from the aluminum. That was the problem with aluminum cans at right. first. They, did, they hadn't, everyone's like, oh, that beer tastes metallic. Well, first of all, quit drinking it out of the can. <laughs> Because your face is licking basically the can as you're drinking it, but you know, pour it into a glass, be proper. But uh, with the new liners and some of the technology, that you know, the product in the can is just as good as it, if not better. Mm-hmm. And there's an argument to say that there is an argument, but I mean, without cans, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. A hundred percent. So, yeah. What's new on the horizon for you? What's uh, what's the next port of call? What's the what's the next beer? What's uh, what's in your heart? Uh, I'm trying to develop a recipe for pride. Nice. We've had a couple of pride beers in the past, you know, fruited IPAs and stuff like that. Uh, I want to do something different. I'm not entirely sure, but just know that one of the fruit is going to be peach. (laughs) (laughs) You done made me snort. Oh. (laughs) Oh, mercy. You are <laughs> look, we I, have fun. No, you, I, you do. You definitely do. And uh, I love the fact that they give you 
some creative license with some of this stuff because it's not at every break to do that. And it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> One of them's going to be peaches. <laughs> uh, I love peaches. Peaches is, you know, it's a, it's a damn good fruit. It is an amazing droop. But I also need that can art. I also need that can art. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to see the can art. And uh, speaking of can art, you're an amazing artist. Oh, thank you. No, you, you really are. And uh, you've been doing some of the can art. Not 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 as of lately, but yes, I Well, have. you were off for a month down in Mexico, gallivanting around the country, <laughs> making me mad, drinking all cool stuff. And then you come back and you're like, yeah, I decided to come back. <laughs> Where's my bourbon? <laughs> but you are an amazing artist. And I think that that's, uh, you know, it's interesting to see the people's background that always get into this industry. There's always that artistic side, whether a musician or... Uh, a painter or artist, you know, something along those lines. That, that that creativity is the same thing that you're trying to put in the can. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. The funny thing is, I never imagined myself in the future coming into like STEM or something. Because do you know why? Math makes me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and now you do it every day. I do it every day. <laughs> but it's in a different. You look at it in a different light, right? Uh, I mean, I guess. <laughs> if, if, here's here's the way to think. You get to drink your math. Hmm. That makes it a little less daunting. Yeah, I guess. I mean, my math's going to get me feeling a lot better. <laughs> and I said math, not meth. Those are two completely different things. 100% different. Don't do meth, kids. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Makes them cheaper for us. No, I, don't do crimes. Um, don't do drugs. Whatever, Whatever's legal in your state, enjoy responsibly, just like you would alcohol. Absolutely. Alcohol's a drug. Caffeine's a drug. I uh, I like both of those things. <laughs> no shame. No, no. I I yeah, not at all. Everything in moderation. Absolutely. So, Pride beer. Mm-hmm. Spring is, we'll say sprung. I think Mother Nature is playing evil, evil tricks on us these last couple of weeks. But um, in North Carolina, it's been hot and cold and hot and cold. Um, spring beers. Spring beers. What are you What are you feeling? What are you drinking right now? Over- it's like you're gonna go treat yourself. What are you gonna get? Mm, I have been going into loggers, just all the loggers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to step away from IPAs right now. It, it, I mean, it's it's a progression. It is. It's a progression, and and loggers right now in in the craft industry are, are I think they're pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there are some really great breweries, including yours, that are making some really amazing stuff. And I think the craft logger movement. It's definitely picking up pace. Yes. For sure. Yes. For sure. I mean, you'd mentioned one Martzen. Mm-hmm. That means March in Germany. If you, it would be the perfect time to, uh, well, now that it's April, I guess, it wouldn't be the perfect time. You'd missed it by... I, I mean, I'm still going to drink No, it. no, no. I, that, that <laughs> Martzen is very similar to the Oktoberfest. It's mm-hmm. like that style of beer, a little bit malty, balanced out with hops, uh, pretty satiating, not crazy amount of alcohol. Yeah. One of my favorite styles of beer. Uh, a spring bock, like a Maybach. Mm. And that's a, that's a big beer, though. Yeah. 8%, 9%, malty, and re- like just goosebump and sighting. It's like a Doppelbach was like, I think I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> the other thing that we're doing is uh, we're trying to make the most of the end of citrus season. Okay. So we're putting like fresh citrus in our fruited beers coming 
coming down the pipeline. And that's perfect for spring, though. They're like so light. But not, not, they're refreshing. Yes. They're palate cleansing. Yes. It's so excellent. Like we started adding Satsuma oranges into our orange wit. Mm-hmm. And I never want to go back to any other oranges. Satsumas are so delicious. That's hard. That's going to be hard to do, though. I know. Just, they're so seasonal. I know. That's why we <laughs> we try to hoard as many of those oranges. And we like we will process them and freeze them. Smart. And we'll bring them back in the middle of summer, whatever. Yeah, smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And lucky enough to have like the space to put those oranges in, yep. which is also important. And one of the things that I see in a lot of breweries in general is they always undersize the amount of cooling space that they need. Yeah. I see it at our place too. So speaking of that, mm-hmm. for all the folks out there that want to start one or are looking at maybe expanding what they're doing, mm-hmm. What were maybe some advice that you would give uh, someone thinking about starting a facility? Think about your cooler space and probably double or triple it. Yeah. Please make it uh, not only wide, but also in height. Think about the height because you can definitely triple stack, quadruple stack. Wouldn't recommend it, (laughs) Um, but you can. Yeah. Um, Make sure that you'll have like space for all of your taps. Make sure that you have plenty of space for people to fit in those taps and potentially storage more kegs or whatever, bright tanks, whatever. Please have room for your people to work in. Yeah. Um, One of the things I always see is people underestimate how much, you know, if they keg off a tank or they have, you know, or or they're waiting for the distributor or they're taking stuff to a distributor. Yeah. You need space for that entire tank. Mm Mm-hmm. And it may not leave the same day that you're kegging it. Right. And now you think you have three or four tanks. You've got a ton of cooperage in there now. Cooperage would be kegs. And you just, you've kind of backed yourself into a corner. And now rotating fresh stock in and out makes it even worse because you don't have pathways to get in and out of these coolers. You're climbing over stuff, trying to... Twisting ankles and like catching your boot on like keg lids or whatever. It just, it's awful. It's awful. I hate it. Not speaking from experience at all. <laughs> no, but and not, I, I get it. Not everybody can uh, afford that. But just like wait six more months, try to ma- raise more money and, and, and put that in. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, think think ahead a little bit there. Yes, please. Please think of your people. Please think of yourself and the health of your people. Well, and that's a big deal, too, because that's going to cost money. Yes. If they can't work, that's going to cost you money. Mm-hmm. If they get hurt at work that's potentially going to cost you money. Oh, absolutely. And so all of those things are going to add up. So if you just have a, a an environment that's going to be functional and friendly, mm-hmm. uh, feng shui a little fun. You know, and we would call that pinch points as yeah. well in the industry. Bottlenecks, pinch points, same yeah. thing, yeah. Which leads off to the other part. Please be mindful of your pinch points and the bottlenecks in your facility because if you come across something like that, it's going to slow down production. I mean, it's ridiculous what... <laughs> uh, mm, I should probably be careful. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous what you've seen in the industry. Uh, yes. Uh, Talking not, to other people. Not necessarily your place. No, but no, you, no. I mean, you talk to other people from your cohort and other cohorts and, and, and uh, I, people I mean, all I've, over the you know the yeah, industry. Yes. Seeing other facilities and how they operate. I'm like, how do you 
get across doing this and doing multiple things all at the same time when you're literally trying to go through one door. Yeah. One in, one out. Yeah. And, and forklift traffic and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's a... Uh, yeah. How do you drive the forklift up that ramp? Oh, always backwards? That doesn't seem the best way to go. <laughs> it's the safest way to go, but it's probably... Anyway. Mm. Um, so when we talk beer now, we've talked about spring beers. We've talked about uh, adding botanicals. We've talked about all sorts of things. Now, spirit-wise, you mentioned that you were from northern central Mexico. Yes. Uh, mezcal, bacanora, maybe some sotol. Uh did you get to try any of that stuff when you were down in Mexico? I did not. I wish I could have. No, it's fine. I'm not going to hold that against you. I mean, there's always an opportunity to go get that at a later date. No, also true. Ten years down the road, where are you at? Mm, hopefully, I'll have... So, this is what I was thinking while I was down there. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was surrounded by all that sugar cane down there. Yeah. But the area that my family is from is so rich in all sorts of fruit. Mandarin oranges, tamarind, guava. Um, oh, what is it called in English here? Uh, is it like custard apple or something? Yeah. What um, What is it called in Spanish? Gua, uh, guanabana? Yeah, that sounds like custard apple. I think it's custard apple, right? I've been drinking. You could tell me whatever <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but my point being is there's a lot of fruit over there. I could not only just open a brewery over there, I could have a brewstillery. With all that sugar cane there. Think about all the flavored rums you could make. Oh, just I know. Right there. All the aqua V, O to V, all of that. Just so much potential. So much of it is right there. Right at my doorstep. Yes. Yeah, just picked fresh and put it right. These edivives that you can make would be, let's make this happen. I want to make this happen. I, someone out there is going to help us make it happen. <laughs> Um, I'm still working on my Mexican citizenship, so that's going to happen hopefully this year. Okay. Um, but yeah, once I get that going, it's, I mean, it's my birthright. So yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's paperwork now, but Mm -hmm. that being said, um, one of the things, you know, there are over, we, we consume in the United States really small amounts of fruit. Mm -hmm. There are so many fruits that are out there that I've never heard of or had. Uh, that are fresh, you know, all throughout these years, throughout the year. Um, I, I mean, a, that's what I've been bringing into Oklahoma is yeah. slowly bringing in, you know, all of my culture and everything. I mean, for International Women's Day, we created a um, guava infused. Guava is amazing if you've not had guava. Oh, it's so delicious. Are you talking about my guava wine that I made that okay, one time? First of all, <laughs> first of all, I challenged the students at one point to bring in their favorite fruit. Uh huh. And you brought in guava. Yes. I love guava. I remember this this juice when I was a kid mm-hmm. that my parents used to get. It was from Ocean Spray. It was guava. It was long story short. And it was this beautiful pink juice. It was so delicious. You brought in guava yep. juice and you fermented out into a wine and yep. it was so brilliant yeah it was so good and i could only imagine what that could be in a distillate mm-hmm. grabbing that fresh essence of the guava i mean that's goosebump that's like that would be so amazing back sweetening it with fresh sugarcane juice mm-hmm. and making a guava liqueur oh yeah like that making my mouth water already <laughs> like that just that essence in a 
a cocktail or over ice or uh, in lemonade. Oh, yeah. Just done. Forget about it. So refreshing. So delicious. Just, oh my God. All right, we're going to get done and we're going to work on this business plan because I need this in my life. <laughs> this isn't about you. Okay. This is about me. Uh-huh. This is about me getting free booze. And you know. also free travel to Mexico. Well, I don't need free. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. We can negotiate that. Uh-huh. All right. Well. Kay, I can't thank you enough. You're amazing as always. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I thank you to Danny McConnell from McConnell Farms. Taste the way you remember. Thanks, Danny, for uh, sponsoring the podcast. Um, you can come back anytime, Kay. You know that. I know. Oh, I'm going to make myself a nuisance. That's amazing. Okay. And then <laughs> just bring more guava wine because I know you're making it and you're just not sharing it. Uh, thanks, Kay. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Consuming the Craft podcast, which I finally got right. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye.